Glory to God. Are you blessed today? If you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 19. So glad you're here. We're so glad to fellowship with you today. So glad you came to join us as we come to fellowship with the Lord. And two weeks ago, I shared about the unusual things that we do, according to man's way of thinking, brings on the extraordinary of God. How many are ready to see the extraordinary of God? I'm ready to see the presence of God. And, and that's what we're going to be speaking about uh, today. We spoke some of it on Wednesday night and, and whatever God has us to do in the future. We need the presence of God. Each and every one of you needs the presence of God upon his life. What will change your life? What will change a situation? What will cause you to become another person than who you are? What will complete the work and show the glory of God in your life it is by having the presence of God upon our life. How often do we go in the presence of God and, and, and His presence changes and transforms us into His likeness? God is calling this nation, this the church in this nation, to get before Him and receive of His presence. You know, not long ago they had that senator from Michigan who uh, swore on the Quran. And you know, I wrote a letter and probably some others wrote a letter. But you know, the church, six something million Christians did not stand up and did not protest that. How many of you know that we should have made a lot more noise than we did back then? That for 210 years, this nation, as they came into office, they stood and they swore upon the Holy Bible. And we see now that what we're coming to is not, a, not an Elijah, but an Elijah generation. Where God is wanting to raise up men and women of God so full of the power and the presence and the hand of God upon their lives that we're going to stand up for righteousness and there is a voice that's going to be heard. And now we're, I'm believing God that we're coming to a point of the presence of God to be so strongly manifested that we'll be able to do like Elijah and say, if Muhammad is God, let him answer by far. But if Jehovah is God, let him answer by far. Let's see which God answers. Let's see who is the true God. And to be able to move in that type of way, we've got to have that type of faith that Elijah had. That I know, my God, when he's called upon, he will answer and he will respond because it's his word that he backs up. And it's the unusual things that we're going to be called to do. I mean, the unusual things of Elijah to manifest his faith. When he dug, the, when he built that altar, and then he put the sacrifice upon it. Then he started putting water, water upon water, just buckets of water upon that sacrifice. So everything was wet on the sacrifice, the altar, and in the trenches. And the, the true God answered by fire and didn't only take the sacrifice took the stones and drunk up all the water out of the trench. That's our God and that's your God. Amen. It says in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And God did unusual, say unusual, and extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or towels or aprons which had touched his skin were carried away and put upon the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. I mean, you know, we practice that here. We believe that the God, the anointing of our God is in the very fibers. Young people, teenagers, uh, older people come get these handkerchiefs and mail them all different places. And we hear the testimony of what God is doing because it's not something that's upon me. It's something that's in the name of Jesus as we pray and decree upon these aprons and these cloths to go into the knees of these people. The New Living Testament says God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. The message translation says God did powerful things through Paul, things quite 
out of the ordinary. How many of you know things not common? Something extraordinary. Something that we might never seen or done before. Look with me in Matthew chapter 14. And I want to show you how the unusual calls upon the extraordinary of God. I know you know the story quite well, but I want to take some things out of it for just this morning to exalt you, to uh, encourage you in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. When we do the unusual, it'll bring in the extraordinary of God. Say, when I do the unusual, God will move and do the extraordinary. Yeah. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come unto the the water. Now, how many of you know who was thinking about walking upon the water but Peter? But how many of you know the unusual caused the power of God to go in manifestation? And verse 29 says, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And when he saw the wind boisterous. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. I want you to just see today as I talk about, first of all, he stretched out of his hand. First of all, that hand speaks of an invitation to take hold of the extraordinary. The hand of God speaks of the presence and the power of God. What do you think made Peter even want to walk upon the water if it wasn't the presence of God that was with Jesus causing him to think, you know, I can do anything. The presence of God, listen to me, church. You can go to all the seminars you want to. You can do all the studying you want to. But what changes the life is the presence of God upon that life. You can read, you can study, but if you don't spend time with God and have His presence come upon you, you'll never think of the unusual that causes God to act. Sometimes we wonder, what is happening in my life that I'm not seeing more of God manifested? Well, maybe it's because we don't have enough presence of God upon our life to make us do what we wouldn't even think about doing. The presence of God causes you to say things you wouldn't ordinarily say. The presence of God comes upon you And you may be a timid and a shy person and somebody may come up to you and tell you something or you may be talking about something about Christ or about the Word of God. And if it was just you in the natural, you would be careful. Oh, I don't want to offend nobody. Please excuse me. Let let, let me share how this is. But when the presence of God is on you, I'm not apologizing for nothing. I don't want to. I'm not worried about offending you because I don't want to believe your belief. I know that I believe in the Word of God. And when the presence of God comes upon you, you'll pray far down. You'll cast out devils. You'll pray for the sick. You'll pull them out of the wheelchair. You'll do whatever you have to do. Why? Because when the presence of God comes upon you, you're not worried about yourself or no one else. You just feel something on you. You feel like you could tackle the world. You could tackle the world. Hey, there's giants. Let them come. They're cursing. Let them curse. He that is for me. Doesn't the Word of God say that the eyes of God go to and fro looking to show Himself strong? Somebody shout out strong. Well, we first of all, we say, I don't even know if God sees my needs. 
Then when we talk, we pray and we ask, we don't even act like we got the God who's the God who's strong. But it says his eyes go to and fro to show himself strong on behalf of somebody who's willing to do the unusual. Someone who's willing to give, you know what, I don't have anything else, but I'm giving my last cent. I've never done that before, but I uh-uh, know I've got to back up here. Uh, um, I've never done that before, but I'm going to do it. I've never prayed that way before, but I'm going to pray that way. I never believed that there's such a thing as speaking in other tongues. But if it's in the Word of God, I've got to believe it's God. And if it's God, then fill me Holy Ghost. And I want the evidence of speaking in new tongues, glorifying God in a divine language. If the Word of God says that He's the same yesterday, today, forever, and they're trying to tell me signs and wonders have passed away, I think I'll take God's side. And when they say, well, you know, if God kills you, it's just His will, I think the presence of God upon you would say, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. What the church needs is a boldness. But the reason it has to have a boldness is because it has to have the presence. Sometimes I leave here and I've preached and I've said some things and then around 3 o'clock, the anointing's kind of lifted. I've done eight and I'm ready for a nap. And around three o'clock, I look at my wife and I go, Honey, I can't believe I said that. She goes, Oh, but it was good. I said, I know, but I can't believe I said that. She goes, Yeah, but it was God. Oh, but what if it wasn't God? And it's amazing that when the presence, the anointing started lifting, I started thinking, Oh my God, how many people did I run off? They'll never come back again. They done told me, you know, they done told me, they done told me, they said, you know what, if you talk about cigarettes again, I'm getting out and walking out, and you'll never see me again. And so I said, okay, I'll touch on something else. But I'll start preaching. And the presence of God comes on. And all of a sudden, cigarettes starts coming out of my leg. When the presence of God comes on you, you don't worry about nobody, but then when it lifts, and they tell you Jabez said she's, she's going to have your head and the anointing already lifted, and you're tired, then you start running and say, I can't believe I killed them 450 prophets of Baal. But the thing that we've got to understand is that the hand speaks of the presence of God. And when you cried out for God, God reached out. It said in Second Chronicles 69, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro to show himself strong support. How many know he desires, he desires to touch and bless lives? Amen. You know, I've told you this story before. But our, our second son, Brand, Brand, stand up, baby. Stand up. This is my, our second son, Brandon. There's Brandon right there. I want to tell you about this boy. He was born autistic. And we, I was talking in the hospital yesterday about having to hold him down. And my wife and I hold him down at the times they would, they would uh, stitch up the back of his head because he would hit it, try to hit it against the bricks and then stitches and scars where he had on his face. And when we came here to the States, he wasn't even able to speak or able to talk. And I remember these times where I was depressed and I came home from church and I would one day I was I got Brandon. I sat in a rocker and I was just there crying and and just asking the Lord, Lord, I have this boy. I don't know his voice. He doesn't talk. Uh, I, I, I don't know what he needs. I don't know what I can do for him. And I was just rocking. I was crying out to God. I want to know my son, but, but because he cannot speak, I cannot know him. And in the presence of the Lord, the Lord says, I know how you feel. He says, I've got children who can talk, but they don't talk to me. It's amazing 
what can happen in the presence of God. We want to get on the phone and find somebody to help us. We want to go to some conference. We want to get some counseling. And all those things are good and have their place. But church, I'm telling you today, and never forget, the thing that will change your life forever is the presence of the Lord. And Brandon, when we got here, he couldn't speak. We have pictures of him. He went to a special ed class uh, for the very handicapped people at Slocum. Uh, it, it, we got pictures of the students that were there with him. We would go read to him there and, and, and all this different stuff. But we kept believing God, putting worship on, believing God. And, and just uh, the last week of school, these are Brandon's awards. The highest GPA in history. Yeah, the highest GPA in history. Of course, of course, the honor roll. Honor roll. Then he won the Oscar for drama. And I know I must be... I don't mean to be embarrassing him. But this is a testimony of what the presence of God can do. Look at this. Matthew, mathemat- I can't even say it, and he won it. Mathematician. Of the year. Scientist. Scientist award. Of the year. Another scientist award. A historian award. All of this. And, and the teacher went, got my wife, you know what he did when he got all these awards? He went through them in the trash. So What? The so what is ha-ha, devil. The so what is ha-ha, devil. The so what is ha-ha, devil. And people say, what what did y'all do? What four steps? What did y'all do? Just pray for the presence of God. Lord, let your presence come on him. Put your hand upon him. And it was the hand of God. And Peter was sinking and he called out to the Lord and the Lord grabbed him, took hold of him. Have you ever had your dad save you? When I was a kid, my dad pastored down in the Bayou country in the Chafalaya and we would go take a boat ride way out in the Chafalaya to uh, baptize. And I, and I found some quicksand. And I wanted to see how deep I could get. And by the time I got up to my chest, my brother started hollering for my dad and some others. And uh, they came and, my, and, you know, I was scared by then. But when my dad put his hands under my arms, and of course, he started sinking down with me. But then some other men came, got a hold of him. And of course, I got a good fussing once I got out. I've never been in quicksand again since then. But when I felt my daddy's hands, The presence of my dad. Like, son, I'm not going to let you drown. Don't you know I'm always going to be there for you? I don't care how deep you are. I'm going to pull you out. And the Bible speaks about the hand of God being the presence and the power of God manifested. They prayed in the book of Acts. Extend in the name of thy holy child. Extend your hand and heal and do signs and wonders. Acts 11.21, the hand of the Lord was with them. The hand, say the hand. 
the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. It's the presence of God that turned it. The book of the Bible says in Romans, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. The hand of God. Job was cursed. His mother said, your name's pain. Your name is sorrow. You're, you're pathetic. You're pain. All you've ever done was cause me pain. You, you, you just remind me of all my past. And he prayed, Lord, put your hand upon me. If your presence is with me, if your hand and your power and presence is with me, I'm not going to live this way forever. It's going to change. And what the church needs is a people who practice and live in the presence of God. And you've got to ask yourself this question every day. Have I gone in the presence of God today? Every day. Have I spent time in His presence? If you find yourself giving into a temptation, how much time have you spent in the presence of God? If you find yourself backing away and feeling intimidated, how much time has you spent in the presence of God? If you find yourself being led to speak to someone, but you're intimidating, don't want to speak out, and you're holding it in, how much time has I sp- have I spent in the presence of God today? I want you to look with me in Psalms chapter 46. Psalms chapter 46. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. What do I do in the presence of the Lord? Just go read this. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shall change. They may be saying that the earth is falling apart. It says here, though the earth changes, I will not fear. Though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the icebergs are melting. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake as its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations make an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised His voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spears in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving. What does he say? Cease striving and know that I am God. And know that I am God. And know that I am God. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord God of Jacob is our stronghold. I tell you, you get in the presence of God. You don't have to worry about singing the blues anymore. You know, when you start feeling down, you put on no B.B. King or somebody and you start singing the blues. And, oh, I'm so lonesome I could cry. And, you know, you just get along with that crowd and you just feel like, you know, I just don't feel like I could do anything. Sometimes you got to, all the time, you need to get in Psalms chapter 46 and you got to say, the Lord is my stronghold. God is my refuge and my fortress. It's not about me striving to try to make it. It's about coming to know God. Daniel 11:32. They that know their God shall be strong and do daring deeds like everyday occurrences. God wants to bathe you. God wants to fill you. God wants to just get His presence upon you. I want to give you this example right quick. How many of you 
go to the Mexican restaurant after church sometime. And you go get some fajitas. And they bring the fajitas to your table. And they got them onions. And they got the meat. And they got the bell peppers. And the smoke's going on. And my wife tells me. She goes, oh my. Your hair is going to smell the fajitas tonight. You're going to have to change your clothes because your clothes are going to smell the fajitas tonight. And you know what? I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what my hell. I'll put some extra perfume or something. But I'm going to have my fajitas. Why? Because when you come out of that restaurant, you got the aroma of that Mexican food. And you go into the Chinese restaurant and you start eating that Chinese food. You come out of there and you smell like Hong Kong food. You got that aroma all over you. And you got that fried smell all over you. And people can go, oh, I, I know where you went today. Oh, yeah, and it was good. But then let me go back a few years for some of you. You remember coming out the bar. And I, I love when people get to church and, you know, they're still fighting this. And all of a sudden, boy, 18 Tic Tacs. It's not put one, but 18 Tic Tacs in the mouth. Because I'm going to have to talk to pastor. And pastor's going to smell and go, oh, oh my, oh my, what you doing? I got Tic Tacs and then perfume. And I'm trying to do everything I can. Why? Because there's an aroma where I've been. And some alcoholic, they come out of the bar. And it doesn't matter what they try to do. You smell that and oh, it smells, I don't want to say what it smells like. But it smells like that. And there's just an aroma of where they came out of. And so you can tell where somebody's came out of where by the aroma and the fragrance that's on them. But if the body of Christ would get into the presence of God every day and get into that sweet-smelling aroma, the devil can smell it on you. People can smell it on you. Sickness can smell it on you. Poverty can smell it on you. Depression can smell it on you. And they can go, I know this person's been in the presence of God. Amen, church. Now, I know i got to finish this. So it says his hand, and I'm going to get all over on this. It says that his hand came and stressed him in the Bible and took a hold of him. The Bible says in Job 40, verse 9, No one has an arm like you, O Lord, full of power and might. Psalms 89, 13, For you have a mighty arm, and your hand is strong, and your right hand is high. Exodus 6, 6, Stretch out your arm and deliver me and rid me of all bondage. Exodus 15, 16, let the fear and dread fall upon the enemy by the greatness of your arm until it pass over. Psalm 44, verse 3, favor me and let thy right arm bring me into my possession. Psalms 89, 10, break Rahab in pieces and scatter your enemies with your strong arm. Psalms 89, 21, let your hand establish me and let your arm strengthen me. Psalms 98, 1, your right hand and your holy arm gives me the victory. Isaiah 30, 30, show lightning down your arm against my enemies. Isaiah 51, 5, I trust in the arm of your salvation. Isaiah 51, 9, awake, awake and put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as in the ancient days. Isaiah 52, 10, make bare your holy arm in the sight of the nations. And let all flesh see your salvation. Luke 151, show strength with your arm and scatter the proud. Reveal your arm unto me that I may know your strength. And Habakkuk 3.4, let the power of your hands be released in my life. How many of you know we used to sing that song, He Touched Me? There's one part of it they used to say, shackled by a heavy burden. Need the load of guilt and shame. But then the hand of Jesus touched me. And now I'm no longer the same. How many can say amen? Amen. He touched me. He touched me. He touched me. But now, Matthew verse 14, we won't turn back there because I've got to finish. But I mean, it says that Jesus extended his hand 
And it says he caught Peter. I was reading in the, in the Spanish Bible and it made me study that word. He caught him. And not only did Jesus extend his mighty hand and catch him, touch him, pull him up. Brother Buddy, can you stand up? The word caught there in the Greek means to embrace and to encircle. For years I've heard people preach down about Peter. Oh, he doubted and he drowned. But when Jesus extended his hand and pulled Peter out of the water, Jesus grabbed him. How could you doubt? How could you doubt? He embraced him. He embraced him. And no matter what people may be saying about your failures, you might have failed. You might have messed up. But that word embrace takes two pages of definition. That word caught is the same word used where it says that Jesus emptied himself of all his glory and caught and became one with our sickness, our disease, our sin, and our curse. That word caught is where we get our wife, our word wife. I'm married to you. And no matter how you fall, I'm not letting you go. Cry unto me. There's no limit. No limit. That I will not come and I will not encircle you and I will embrace you and I will love you. With everlasting arms, I will encircle you I will take you. Well, there's no time, but you can go look up this word caught, embrace. Because the presence of God, listen to me, church. It's the presence of God that embraces you. When you go into that presence and and you need that presence upon you and you're going through that hard time, His presence just wants to come with tenderness and with the wings of glory. He just wants to encircle you. I'm not going to abandon you the work of my hands. I'll embrace you. But I failed. Doesn't matter. I messed up. Other people are saying I'm this, I'm that, and the other. It's all right. Don't worry about those in the boat. Don't worry about those on land. All that matters is that you know that I'm holding you still. I'm not going to let you go. That's the type of Savior we have, church. You might have failed big time this week. You might have felt, I'm not even worthy to ask the Lord to take me by the hand. And He says, I'm not only going to take you by the hand, I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to hug you. That word embrace, listen to this. It means to take in. It means to take up. It means to lift up. And it means to take on. Everything Peter felt at, Jesus took it on. He lifted it up and he embraced it, which means to enclose, to press to the bosom, to readily accept, to encircle, to surround, and to espouse. You embrace his presence and he'll embrace you. You embrace his presence and he'll embrace you. Church, what we need today. People say, I need more faith. I think, I think what a lot of people need is more presence. 
We know how to say the right things and we know the ABCs of faith. But what we have lacked and what we're going to grow in is the very presence of God. I believe God is going to be with His people. I believe there's going to be such a presence of love in the church. A presence of forgiveness. A presence of wisdom. I believe that there is a growing foundation in the body of Christ throughout America, the United States and the world. That I believe people are going to come in. We prayed all the time on the parking lot. We prayed here in the church. We prayed as people come through the foyer. Lord, as you can feel in the worship today, let them feel the presence of God. Let the presence of God change them and transform them. Cause you to be able to believe and go forth and believe God for the extraordinary. That's what God has planned for you. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. I'm sorry. I I, I didn't finish on time, but I finished pretty quick. Let, Let me share this with you. Praise the Lord. Let, 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 let me share this with you about the presence of God and I'll finish. Let me share this with you. Just a, just a few more minutes. The reason so many people have trouble being faithful to God is the lack of the presence. Because let me tell you something. If you've ever been in His presence, you'll never forget it. And you will not leave God for something you'll never forget about. I was a week from being six years old in a Southern Baptist church close to Jennings, Louisiana. I've been talking to my little buddy Bumper and we were cutting up during church. But, but, no, Bumper. And Buster was my friend in Carter Holmes. And when I was there and the pastor, the little pastor, the little church gave the altar call, I don't remember what the preacher preached on, but the presence of God came upon me and I started crying. And the Lord spoke to me. I heard his voice. He says, get up and get saved. I said, oh, no, God. He says, I want you to come and receive me. And I grabbed onto the it was little wooden theater chairs. I grabbed onto the arms of those chairs. And I, and I said, no, I'm not going to get up. And then all of a sudden I felt myself get up and then I pulled myself down. And I remember I did it three times and I pulled myself down. And the last time I got up and I walked to that pastor and I just started crying. And he asked me what I wanted. I said I wanted to get saved. And so he led me through the prayer of salvation. But I was crying so hysterically that he called my dad and my dad kept asking me, son, what's wrong? And I said, I want Jesus. And so my dad took me in the back of the church. He said, son, what's wrong? Does your stomach hurt? I said, no, daddy, I want Jesus. He said, son, are you hungry? I said, no, daddy, I want Jesus. He says, do you have a headache? I said, no, daddy, I want Jesus. Well, why are you crying? I don't know. I want Jesus. And I was a week from six years old. I have served him since 69. Because I can never forget the presence of God. And I believe Samuel felt the same way when he felt the presence of God and heard God call. When you hear God speak your name. No one can speak your name and pull you away from him once you heard him speak your name. And there's other stories I'll tell later on about the presence of God. But if you've been in the presence of God, you'll never forget it. And what we the church need, we need an encounter with the presence of God. Not with religion, not with tradition. We need the presence of God. And we will all be changed. And we will all be different. Because the presence of God is what changes us.